0: to the 44th Toronto International Film Festival. You lucky, lucky people. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is our 2019 Toronto International Film Festival coverage of Joker. I'm Christopher Schnasey. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. In this long batch of episodes, we have been covering all the films that we saw at the 2019 Toronto International Film Festival. We are now back from the festival. We didn't get to record everything while we were there, but we are now trying to record the last few things we've been trying to release an episode a day for you guys this one where i'm explaining this is actually going to come out somewhere in the middle um (laughs) just because the magic of deciding how to randomly uh release episodes i I think we can say
1: that there were a few movies that were big enough that we kind of felt like it deserved us to be not completely sleep deprived while we talked about them yeah yeah true. And, and so the late ones where you hear the maybe better audio quality are coming mostly from the kind of big movies that we made a mental note like we should probably be awake for this.
0: Yeah, and not only did we want to make sure we were awake for the episodes, but we saw uh, 14 films in four days, and we flew out Monday, and we had to catch an airport shuttle at 5.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. so staying up an extra two hours to record another episode. Yeah. Day number um, four
1: was kind of a wash. <laughs> yeah, it
0: didn't really make a lot of sense. Um, but, yeah, we, we did see some stuff. We When we left for the festival, or... When we left the festival, I didn't know we were seeing Joker, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we originally, when we booked all our tickets, thought we weren't going to be able to see Joker. We ended up seeing it, so we are very excited to bring you this review, um, even though it's a DC film, yep. and everyone knows that those are horrible, and we only love Marvel stuff. Um,
1: men, pay no attention to those Shazam in our feeds. <laughs>
0: uh but yeah we we, we we were very excited to see it we're very excited to talk to you about it now um so so why steven should we keep them waiting any longer
1: I th- is that a rhetorical <laughs> question
0: because <laughs> was... we want to watch the world burn <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah so we're going to take a listen to the trailer for joker and then we're going to come back and give you guys a review
1: Please stop bothering my
0: kid. Sorry. Arthur. I have some bad news for you. <laughs> this is the last
1: time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, to do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts?
0: So that was the trailer for Joker. Um, This is uh, the latest film that is uh, not technically connected to the other DC films, but it is a DC property. And uh, it's, I don't know where it's going to fit between things, but it's basically an origin story um, for this version of the Joker, um, who is played by Joaquin Phoenix. And it's sort of the story of this man who was like a clown for a living, um, like a street clown, and uh, sort of the events that he unravels about his life and how that pushes him in to becoming the person that we all know as the Joker. Steven Miller, what did you think of Joker? Um,
1: I think I surprisingly really enjoyed the todd phillips joker movie (laughs) um so so this is a movie that i think lives or dies on joaquin phoenix's performance like it, it is called joker there's a reason for that the camera is following almost only him through the whole movie and joaquin phoenix is just incredible as the joker in this like i think he he gives such a physical performance like he just the way he moves the way he like has this kind of uncanny laugh and smile and it isn't it definitely isn't the jack nicholson smile it also isn't the um keith ledger like laugh that's kind of the i'm a troubled person who is feeling like destroying the world and i'm going to be a little unsettling like this is a guy who is losing touch with reality uh the trailer makes that really clear and i think he he's just completely captivating in this whole movie i think he he sells it 100 um have you seen the king of comedy i have not okay Um, If you see The King of Comedy by Martin Scorsese, this movie becomes a very, very, very clear homage to that movie. So the premise of The King of Comedy is Robert De Niro is a man who wants to be on a late night show. And he has a person that he idolizes who, like, he dreams of getting to go on that show. And that idolization becomes an obsession. And spoilers for The King of Comedy in the end, he does make it onto the show, but he does it by like very violent means that allow him to get there. Gotcha. Um, so that movie is great, by the way. <laughs> that movie is referenced heavily in this movie, uh, not least by Robert De Niro being a... Present at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Robert De Niro being in the movie and being a late-night host who is idolized by uh, our lead Joker character, uh, whose name is like Arthur Fleck. I think is Joaquin's name in this movie. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, but it also just has that very Scorsese vibe. I mean, this is this is Gotham, quote, end quote, but it's New York City, right? Like it's obviously like grimy New York in the 70s. Yeah. Um, and it feels just very true to that. It feels like the kind of movie that doesn't really get made very much anymore, where it is just enjoying the darkness and the griminess of it and letting you luxuriate in it. I I feel like, Plot-wise, there are some things that are signposted that I wish they wouldn't have been. I think the character of Zazie Beats, for, int- for instance, you can kind of... For me, I could call kind of a mile away what would or wouldn't happen with that character. Uh, and there are certain aspects of this movie where it kind of feels inevitable. I felt like I knew exactly where it was going to go from the moment it opened. And it was still a 1,000% enjoyable watching it get there. I think for a comic book movie, especially this builds that dread that tension extremely well and the final act in particular is just like a a wild ride and i think like todd phillips totally nails the tone and the tension and the the feeling of chaos and social upheaval in a really interesting way um i think if i were calling this just a movie movie that was not related to a superhero franchise i would dock it slightly for the fact that i found it a little predictable and there were no real twists and turns that surprised me but grading on the superhero curve, like, this movie fucking rules.
0: Yeah, um, I I thought it was a fantastic film. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can definitely see it being... Well, I mean, like, we, we know the trajectory of where this person has to go to become who they are. And it's pretty obvious where it's going. But I still feel like the moment-to-moment beats and, like, how it slowly reveals things even to the character himself mm-hmm. um, is, is very, very interesting. I mean, if we can back up for a second and kind of compare um these jokers. Like you you were talking about Heath Ledger's laugh as Joker and like I I don't see Heath Ledger's Joker as a troubled individual at all. Hmm. He is an agent of chaos who is always in control. Like his one moment of not being in control um spoilers for the Dark Knight is when he misreads the situation with the two fairies and how yeah. that will play out. Um, but once again he is an agent of chaos so he is willing to let that be the results he just assumed it would go one way right right so i always see, saw him as crazy to everyone around him but always a hundred percent in control and knowing what he's doing and kind of he's he's almost too smart right like he he's conveniently able to uh plan all eventualities and have something set up for each of those situations um but he appears scary to anybody he interacts with because he's trying to put on this facade of being a crazy person. Um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character is definitely a troubled indiv- individual who is having trouble um, kind of holding on to his reality. He is sort of stuck in one situation and really likes to try to indulge in moments of flights of fancy where he can try to like take control of the situation by sort of feeling one way about the situation when he's really just not in control. And society isn't really, like, he, he's basically not noticed except for by people who want to hurt him and and just, like, be an asshole to him. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to watch this character. Really what's interesting is the way his actions, this is not just a story about a character who is slowly unraveling and spiraling out of control. It's a story about how society reacts to the the, out, the the fallout of his misbehaviors. Yeah. So it's kind of like this is this is um like when, when we see the Joker in The Dark Knight, he has this huge following that he's amassed because he is this guy who is like giving people something to work for. This film kind of shows you like what if maybe this character was never intending all of that? Right. But sort of Falls into that sort of situation simply because of the outcome of the things that he 's involved in and and I think that there's something extremely compelling, maybe frightening about that reality um but yeah i I just found this film um in in uh, in like entirely compelling, just like moment to moment I was really like drawn into the story um I think maybe some of the beats with uh the woman who lives in his apartment that you mm-hmm. saw coming. I didn't see it coming, but the reason I didn't see it coming is because I didn't believe certain things that were happening earlier. I was like, what? What is going on yeah. here? And I just didn't put two and two together. Right. <laughs> so,
1: I, I had a kind of fork in the road of, like, either this is annoying me or it's doing what I think it's doing. Yeah,
0: instead I was just, like, annoyed and slightly confused. And mm-hmm. then, like, when it happened, I just had, like, a mind equals blown moment. Yeah. Um And... Uh, and that moment too is extremely frightening, uh, right. which, which is is just another testament to like the moments in this film. Like, we know things that are going to happen, but even when they happen, we sort of are like, just like, fuck yeah, and you just want to slow clap yeah. for it. Um, so yeah, I, I I I had a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I one scene that like particularly stands out to me just in the combination of walking doing this incredible performance and also todd phillips i think making the movie extremely well um is there's a scene when he is dancing with a gun in his apartment yeah and it is just like captivating and it is this combination of a person who is like manic and very happy and seems very fragile and also there's this like this violent thing in his hand that at any moment could go off right and it's just the whole movie is kind of like watching him dance with a gun it's like watching a guy who you don't know what he's going to do because he doesn't really know what he's going to do he's going to fixate on things he's going to feel something he might be laughing uncontrollably he might be actually laughing at a situation because he's filled with this kind of manic euphoria all of a sudden and it it is just a very troubling in, I think, a very good way. Like, it, it does exactly what the movie sets out to do, which is put you in the mind of this troubled individual as he descends into kind of ironic... It's kind of like the flip side of Batman where he becomes a a symbol, and as a symbol, he becomes bigger than whatever the man might be, right? Yeah. And this is, like, how does that symbol develop? Um, I don't know if we can talk about this without going into spoilers, but the, the discourse surrounding this movie has been pretty intense, right? And, yeah. There's some of the usual fanfare, right? There's the the DC crowd that thinks like Disney is paying critics to not like this movie and we can forget about those people, right? They're crazy. <laughs> um, but apparently crazy can rule the world. So you yeah. never know. Um, on, on the other hand, there are like critics who are really dismissing this movie. And a thing that I've heard a lot is the idea that this is a dangerous film, that this movie is playing with fire and Todd Phillips doesn't understand how volatile it is and he isn't being delicate enough in the way that he handles it. And I'm wondering how you
0: feel about that. So I, uh, I mean, I'm going to record stupid things that I'm going to say. So uh, Mm -hmm. I think, I think potentially he is playing with fire, but it's also not his job to correct the usage of that fire. Um, I think we should be intelligent enough as a society to be able to consume art like this in a way that doesn't make us want to go out and set fires and shoot people. Like, I I think that, yeah, I I don't think he did something irresponsible. I think he made an incredibly compelling film. And of all the violent shit that we watch that might make somebody do something, if you read in so much to the story... That you're gonna go do something crazy. I I I don't think it's this film's fault.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I felt multiple things because my brain agrees with you, and I think in my quote critical analysis or whatever, I don't think I don't think there's any real difference between what Todd Phillips is doing here and what like Martin Scorsese did with Taxi Driver or what like uh, Natural Born Killers was doing, where it is they're they're glorifying in in a sense this violent depravity and you or anything tarantino does right it's glorifying something violent and depraved and you know that there is a layer on top that is like the director knows that we know that this is depraved and what makes it interesting is like that the glory becomes its own separate thing right it's like an indictment on its own of like i am going to make you watch this i'm going to make you root for it and then maybe at the end i'm going to make you deeply question what it is that you were rooting for yeah um I think the only difference between those people and Todd Phillips is critics don't like Todd Phillips because he made the fucking hangover. He didn't make, <laughs> you know, he didn't make good Um I think if you were to really just watch this movie in a vacuum and ignore, ignore the DC aspect of it and ignore the director, I don't think this movie is playing with fire any more than many other films. Now the yeah. the potential, quote, problem is this is a DC movie that everyone is going to watch, right? Yeah. So the question is, like, audiences maybe do you feel like you need to handhold them more than you would want to but then at the same time like if we want our if we want our mass media to be art we can't expect it to be handholding in a way that like dilutes the art of it so i I don't i don't really buy that criticism but at the same time i feel the discomfort because we were in canada where i assume no one has ever seen a gun like
0: that well oddly enough when we were having lunch before or not lunch i guess breakfast before getting on the plane there was a there was a shooting at on a freeway like somebody opened fire at a bunch of cars on a freeway Mm. in canada near where we were um like the day we were leaving oh shit Um, i didn't know that so i i mean it was i i highly doubt it had anything to do with the film but it, it was a thing that was on the tv um that i took note of because i was like oh we're not in the united states and we like this is still a thing that is is prevalent right. so um so yeah people have seen guns <laughs>
1: yeah so,
0: so uh, but, but anyway so I, i'm in a different
1: country where i don't know i don't know the gun violence i assume it's lower in general i'm at a film festival where the crowd of people that would be there are clearly not like just regular joe schmoes right like you have to you had to be a member you had to click that button right away like you had to go through a lot of hoops to get into the joker screening and still even though we were on the top floor of a big building with security and it was hard to get into that IMAX screen there were moments in this movie where the the delirium of violence did i had the thought of like what if someone came in here right now with a gun you know what yeah. if what if a a reprise of the aurora shootings happened and i think that that thing being lodged in your brain is is kind of impossible to take away yeah i now my counterpoint to that is i don't think this movie is doing very much that Christopher Nolan wasn't doing in The Dark Knight. I don't think you can really watch The Dark Knight and say, oh, Batman is the thing that I was there to watch. Like Heath Ledger steals the show. And the scenes that feel most like Intense and hook you the most are when the Joker is in control, yeah. right? When he is blowing up the hospital, when he is like, when he has the fairies, like when he is in control of the situation. That is when you feel that visceral rush. And I don't, I don't really think there's anything so, so tangibly th- different about this movie than that movie.
0: So I, I think there is, on a level, a little bit of a difference. Not in the fundamental thing that the characters are each trying to achieve, but I think that like in Like, you know, the quote from from the quote you joked about earlier, I think it was while we were recording at the beginning of the episode, but like some people just want to watch the world burn. Like that Joker specifically just wants suffering to happen around the world Mm. and to just be the one that made that happen. This version of the Joker is there is it's not just a strange anarchic sort of thing. It is a person who has experienced stuff in their life. Lashing out, and the film for that character attempts to justify the end result of who is hurt by this character. Mm -hmm. Um, I think maybe towards the end of the film, and maybe we can talk about in spoilers some of the stuff that like is like literally the the after stuff for the film. Kind of might show the character further off that cliff Mm -hmm. than he is through most of the story, but I think that. This isn't just a thing where a society is glor- like the society glorifying this person who might be doing bad stuff is a little bit different than a person doing bad stuff in a way that you feel sympathetically for him mm-hmm. that he might be justified in Lash. That is the dangerous part of this. Is the right is the is the backstory and the current story and the future story of Joaquin, Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix's character justifying a person doing something horrible? Or is this just a character who is not well doing bad things? Yeah. And I think that is sort of the dangerous side. The societal reaction to him, I don't think that a person would want to become the Joker in a world... In a, I, I don't think a, a person would want to do something in hopes that all of society would start fires and love them, I could see somebody feeling, I know how Joaquin Phoenix felt. I am justified in doing something wrong. Right. Um, And and
1: I guess justify is kind of the the operative word that I'm not... I, I don't know. The movie is... It is kind of explaining why he does the things he does to the degree that it's portraying a character you believe enough that even when because he takes kind of sudden detours into violence here and yeah it, it is not a like just very slow descent right like there are moments where you are tracking with the character and then something happens and you're like oh shit yeah that that was huge right yeah and i i think By making him be a believable character, I don't feel that that is rationalizing the things that he does. I don't don't agree.
0: I'm I'm just saying that the separation is that in a world where we're dealing with this as a problem in our society already, that is the scary bridge too far. Mm -hmm. Not individual actions the Joker takes, but the sympathetic nature of who the character is um, might be that thing we worry about Mm -hmm. um i agree that you we shouldn't have to worry about it yeah unfortunately we may right um so yeah
1: yeah i i can see that it it definitely is an uncomfortable thing and I, i do feel like maybe 2019 isn't the year when i would have loved this to be what is almost definitely going to be the biggest certainly biggest dc movie i guess endgame was pretty damn big so i, I don't know about biggest marvel movie there's
0: no way to do endgame numbers but like no it, I, but it, i think it,
1: in terms of the cultural impact or the degree to which people are going to want to talk about it later i think this yeah. might eclipse that why that doesn't compare in box office i don't know it probably it, means <laughs> what i think of as culture is just people in like new york and la or something and,
0: and it's definitely going to get a second bump when like walking phoenix gets like awards consideration oh, yeah versus anybody who's in endgame
1: yeah and and i should be clear, like walking should be nominated for an academy award for this i think like it it is just an intensely physical performance it's very engrossing he completely embodies this character he's done this kind of thing before right like he's he's played troubled individuals like in the master but this is just like really in service to a very clear vision and i think i think it's going to be totally deserved um i think this movie is going to do pretty amazingly in awards this year and while it isn't like this isn't my favorite movie at toronto i think it is quite good and i yeah. like i really feel like people who are criticizing it on merit like i i understand criticizing it on thematic grounds but criticizing it on merit i really think it is more about the benefit of the doubt that you give a filmmaker you don't like versus a filmmaker you like cuz yeah. i think i think what is on the screen is like extremely solid i would not recommend watching the king of comedy shortly before watching this because there are like so many parallels you start to feel like okay you're you're signposting a little bit too much of what you're gonna do like yeah we'll talk in spoilers i won't ruin any of the rest yeah, but yeah this this is a goddamn good movie well yeah yeah yeah.
0: we'll talk in spoilers <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um so before we talk in spoilers should we get to our official verdicts sure all right steven miller if you're gonna even say must see oh, recommend with a caveat wait for rental passes the caveat or must avoid what would you give it
1: uh, must see I definitely see it in a giant screen too if you can because I think that helps with the experience.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, this is a must see. It's a great great film. Um it'll probably be on a list at the end of the year. Um so Look forward to that. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, we are sort of itching to get to some spoiler conversations about this film. So for now, we're just going to say goodbye to anybody who doesn't want to wait or doesn't want to hear any spoilers. And uh, then I guess we're going to just have this spoiler segment setting there and then you can come back and listen to it when this film eventually comes out. Yeah. Um, So, Stephen Miller, people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that?
1: Uh, People can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com.
0: People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at com, where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash Facebook.com slash or Instagram.com slash warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Um, right now... That little, uh, this is, this is Canadian filmmaking and we got to celebrate it. little tag and, uh, we'll play. And then as soon as you hear Deadpool go, ah, Canada, um, we're going to be back in with spoilers. So watch out. Thanks for listening. Careful. Spoilers coming now. This is Canadian content and it's time we take credit for it. Starting now. Oh, Canada. All right, we are back. This is spoiler territory for our conversation about Joker, which we saw at the 2019 Toronto International Film Festival. Um, we have lots of stuff to talk about. Um, but before we even get into like the real meat, mm-hmm. let's just, ha- I'm, I'm, I'm going to start with some light conversation. Sure. The end of this film, which is really just about this man becoming Joker We suddenly need to take the time to once again, for the 7,000th time, give us Batman's origin story. Yeah. Um, Did that take away at all from this experience did that sort of annoy you um or i i, I just when, when that started happening i was like oh we did not even need this like we already saw young bruce mm-hmm. that's enough of a connection we don't need this to go on why do you have to have a random clown uh cl- a masked clown guy um, kill uh, Thomas Wayne. Is that yeah. Yeah, Thomas Wayne um, just so that we can see the pearls get clutched and then fling all over the street. Like it seemed like a very unnecessary thing to shoehorn in right as one of the last things you see in this film.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. It didn't bother me, but I think if it weren't there, it would be fine. Like that, that is one example of, I think Todd Phillips being too on the nose. Like the, the yeah. idea of the Joker as the antithesis to Batman and the the one that one can't exist without the other that that is so ingrained in the character already and it is ingrained in the movie heavily already you don't need to make it that literal to make us feel the fact that what the joker represents is a part of the very thing that bruce wayne would grow up to want to fight Um with yeah. that said it didn't really bother me at all either like it is a very quick sequence and it's more if i remember right it's more in a kind of a montage of chaos that is happening at the end of the movie it isn't like we stop for five minutes to watch it happen or anything yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, it's but more it's like, like by the way <laughs> this wave that the Joker ushered in of populist outrage and people trying to you know kill the rich this French Revolution basically that he started like that is the thing that killed Bruce Wayne's parents okay like <laughs> it, it's fine I, I feel like Bruce and Alfred would have mentioned at some point that like the night my parents died Everyone died. <laughs> I, I feel like that would have probably come up in Batman's origin story. Like, oh yeah, you know the night when 8,000 people were murdered? My yeah. mom and dad the, were of The night of when them? the
0: purge started.
1: Yeah. Be- because it that does kind of weaken his origin now when I think about it. Because he grew up wanting to fight crime. Yeah. And it is crime. Like his parents being murdered is crime. But in the context of this movie, they were a part of a very specific societal... Riot that was going on, and it wasn't the same as like the organized crime or petty yeah. thieves or something, it was like a very particular thing.
0: And that, that's the thing, too, is obviously so. Batman is a lot like uh Iron Man, yeah. right? Like his powers being super rich, <laughs> right? Uh, I think uh, Ben Affleck says that yeah. in uh mm-hmm. one of the Justice League films, um, or the Justice League film, yeah, um so like we 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 get that, right? um, but I don't think we've ever really seen um the discussion of the problem with society is the rich mm-hmm. um so i i i mean i i I'm talking out of my ass right now, but I don't really ever remember there being a specific reason why his parents died that night leaving the theater. right This directly ties it into people wanted Thomas Wayne dead, yeah, um, and they felt the power to be able to do that um also who fucking goes to the theater when there's a riot going on? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like that riot started, or I guess it didn't. I guess it started after the thing. But I feel like tensions were already high. You wouldn't just, like, walk out of the theater by yourself. Mm -hmm. I don't know.
1: Well, they were also, unless I'm forgetting the chronology, they are also in a theater when Walking Phoenix's character walks in and tries to confront Thomas Wayne, and that's a different day. So are they just, like, always in the theater? Yeah, the rich... (laughs) yeah i i guess so um so that that is an interesting launching point into the the political themes of this movie i guess where it, it is very clear that this is a movie of this time right it's trying to capture the the anger and resentment that people feel for the ultra rich and the feeling that policies and political things are meant to just keep the rich in power and keep them oppressed and the gotham that we see is one that is clearly struggling um a criticism I would give to this film is I don't feel like it really shows us, quote, regular everyday people struggling in a way that we can relate to. It's kind of just showing us the extremes of people who are troubled and also struggling, yeah. um, which makes the impact of that message a little lower. But anyway, it is clearly trying to build that, like, the Joker rose on this wave of resentment toward the rich and these murders that took place on the subway, which will probably talk about yeah are meant to represent a uh a wish fulfillment of like i wish i could have done that good for him good for yeah, robin yeah. hood you know do you buy that as a thing that would actually be a collectively celebrated movement in gotham
0: um i buy it in this fantasy world um i think they did a good enough job of like it was a little tell not show um but they definitely like when it it's like there was these murders on the train and everybody's scared but then when they find out it was just a bunch of rich rich assholes they're sort of like good what are you doing in like our part of the city anyways like they were probably just out partying and being obnoxious and it's it's kind of like it's it's three douchebags getting killed and it's while the average person isn't like oh i hope these douchebags die they are like yeah, he's getting his car towed because he parked it in that spot like an right. asshole. Um and it's sort of like an extension of that. And I think that if we had more time seeing other characters besides Walking Phoenix in this world, um it would have maybe rang home a little bit uh stronger and and been a thing that you can latch on to a lot more. But I feel like I feel like they did a good enough job of connecting these pe- like the way that when they show the faces and they're like oh yeah the wall street types got killed that who cares um i think that i think they did they did a fine enough job showing that the community was sort of happy that those things happened mm-hmm. um and yeah I, I i they did something interesting yeah
1: yeah because i was a little bit like that that was a criticism i felt but then i think of like civil bro or whatever, like, how much time are they devoting to the real world other than a news footage that shows, like, people are angry that the Avengers ruined the city. Yeah, Wachovia. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's clear that I'm holding this to a standard that is, like, probably not fair for the movie yeah. given the other gears that have to grind at the same time. Um, So I feel like Zazie Beats could have been that person. Yeah. And this is where... So what what we're discussing here is the fact that Walking uh, Phoenix's character spends a good amount of time with Zazie Beats' character in this movie. There are at least, like, th- two or three moments where he spends time with her and talks with her about life, and she is receptive to him. Like, yeah. even in the context of the movie, she seems to recognize he's a bit strange. Like, she interacts in ways that seem occasionally, occasionally believable, yeah. but she also is warm and has some affection for him Yeah, and even laughs at his jokes. Like when he is in uh, the comedy cellar, which they rebrand as something else, but it's basically the comedy cellar. Um, (laughs) She is the person sitting in the corner laughing at him. Right. Yeah. Uh, And there's a moment when they're walking home and she says like, man, those three people who were killed, I wish I could have done that myself. That guy's a hero. Yeah. And that was the moment for me when I was like, okay, she is not, she is not actually here. This is in his head. Yeah. Because they, there's no way they have this female character, when he is being a creep, say that she wishes these guys had been murdered. Like, that is going to annoy me like hell. So I'm just going to assume it's all in his head. Yeah, yeah. But if they had had her be a real person who is yeah. bonding with him and revealing, like, the kind of the political side, but not in the extreme deranged way of let's murder everybody, I think yeah. that would have been more interesting. Oh, yeah, probably. she she
0: could have said something like... um, uh, like, it's sad that this happens, but, like, if it had to happen to somebody, at least it happened to somebody who deserves it or something. Yes. Like, not that I believe that statement to be true. I'm just saying, like, she could have phrased it, and, and that was, like, off the cuff of my head. Just, like, phrase it in a way where she's, like, not condoning it necessarily, but, like, like eh, if it had to happen to somebody, at least they're cleaning up the streets. <laughs> right. Because there is,
1: without her being imaginary there is an analog in the king of comedy again where there's a robert de niro has a a woman that he knew from like school or something who's a bartender and he's trying to like win her favor and win her affection and the way he starts to win her over is by bragging that like he's friends with the late night host jerry lewis who's like the de niro of that movie and she thinks he is annoying and she thinks he is probably delusional but the possibility that he is telling the truth and that he is actually in with this famous crowd yeah. is enough to make her hang out with him and kind of semi-flatter him. And so, like, I thought this movie was maybe going that way, where, like, Zazie Beats definitely knows there's something wrong with Arthur Fleck, but she's, like, willing to humor him because she, like, feels bad and also is kind of enamored by whatever he represents. But the movie definitely just veers, like, into total fantasy.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so at, at first, their interactions... Um I was, I, I just thought that she was somebody who was a very empathetic person, mm-hmm. saw that he was hurting and like was just trying to make sure that he was okay. Um, right. And then there's a moment where they kiss. Yeah. And I'm like, the fuck is happening? I'm mm-hmm. like, mean, no, this is stupid. Like, well, this would never happen. Right. Um, and I was so caught off guard and so disbelieving of what I was watching that when it's finally revealed that yeah that didn't happen that's why it's so hard to believe right that moment is fucking amazing <laughs> like he he just walks into her apartment sits down on the couch and just as she's going in to like help her daughter in in the bath right and then she comes out and like just that like oh my like it's it's a normal it's at first it sounds like a normal startle like oh my god like you were not there and now you are and then when she's like you're You're Arthur, that guy from down the hall, right? It was like, "Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so that that
1: scene when he walked in the door that's when i was like okay good they're doing this (laughs) because i did i I was thinking it was the stand-up set but you're right it was the kiss which i think happens earlier right after like the night that he murders those guys yeah yeah. that i was like this can't be real it can't be like he's dressed like a clown he has blood on his clothes yeah he walked into her door which was unlocked and kissed her like no way no way you're not gonna do this to me movie. and,
0: and it was also one of those things where like i'm not really sure how much time is passing as we're watching this film so like I was like, I don't know, maybe them hang it. Like, it's just one of those things where, like, I, I didn't really believe it, but I wasn't trying to rationalize it. I was just confused. So it's like I couldn't even see what was coming, even though it is pretty. Off. It's like one of those things where, like, it's you, you go like, well, this doesn't make sense, therefore it's not real. But I was like, this doesn't make sense, and I just didn't bother going one more step. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that reveal is pretty freaking amazing. <laughs> amazing, where you just realize that, like. Oh shit! This is really scary. Like yeah. this is, this isn't just like oh he thought everything was cool and it's not. This is now this man is in somebody's home, uh, where it's just a woman and her daughter, and he's blocking the door. Yeah, and it just it it, it the like my fight or flight was just like fuck.
1: <laughs> well, well, that is a good example of why I think this movie definitely does know what quote side it's on. Yeah, because a movie that was glorifying or trying to get us to just get our get our jollies off at this downtrodden person who is troubled like lashing it out at the world it would only be that first scene it would be like it'd it'd be the the fight club version where like he you know he's gonna get the girl and they're gonna kiss while the world burns right and like she is going to be enamored with his power or his ability to just do whatever he wants but the second moment when he comes into her room. And the scene plays out the way it would really play out. It's kind of like the, no, take a step back. This is what you would look like in that moment. Like, this yeah. is what would happen. It would be terrifying. Yeah. And I I feel like that is a good example of the movie when it does, like, pull back and show you the horror of his character as it would pertain to people in his orbit. Even people that he thinks he is showing affection for.
0: Yeah, and, and it's and it's really, it's, it's not that the twist itself got me. It was the sudden reality I was sitting in scared the shit out of me and it's where i realized that like at any moment when he's just having fun he could be truly threatening somebody and you really don't know what's going to happen next Mm -hmm. um and i thought that was just like expertly done and it really kind of like if i wasn't already vibing with the movie that moment just made me go like fuck yeah
1: (laughs) so we haven't yet talked about the big crossover is the wrong word but this movie makes itself connect to the broader Batman universe. More People were theorizing that Bruce Wayne would show up in this movie at some point. I think there was a kid cast to play him who has also been cast to play him somewhere else. So people have like made a connection that that is probably the same guy. Um, what did you feel about... There's a segment of this movie where we are made to believe... And there's still a question mark at the end, but I think the question mark, it, like, there's enough question marks after it that it becomes just too hazy to really worry about anymore. We're meant to believe that the Joker could be the brother of Bruce Wayne or the
0: half-brother. So I, I think, like, we do see papers from the hospital that says she adopted a child. Right. So I feel confident enough to declare that they are not blood relation. Mm-hmm. Um if it's revealed in a future film that they definitely are related, sure, I will accept that. Because
1: she also, after he learns bad, he's looking later at a photo and he sees written on the back a message signed TW. So I think that's supposed to lob a little doubt that maybe like the Wayne family was really powerful and his mother wasn't just delusional, but she was actually silenced by rich people. But
0: she did actually work for them, right? She did work for so, them. So 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 the the assumption is that it's fake adoption
1: yeah that like those papers were basically forced upon her
0: gotcha i
1: i, I don't know like yeah, like yeah, yeah. i don't think the movie wants you to know just like in the dark knight how there are multiple origin stories that Heath ledger I, gives i think we are not supposed to know the truth of his upbringing
0: well to answer your question for real um the the specifically the question you asked if i thought we shouldn't have even seen the origin of batman at the end of the film I definitely don't want the Joker to be related to, right. to Bruce Wayne. I feel like when it went there, I was like, this film might've just lost me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually, I, that's part of the reason why I want to say definitively that they're not related yeah. is because as soon as that information came, it was like, like <laughs> clap, but there we go. Okay. We're, mm-hmm. we're done. We're done. I'm wiping this frustration away and we are just definitively saying that they're not related and that it, she he was adopted. Um, and, and if it like I said, if it turns out to be that way later i 've already like this film is already done good by me, and i 'm not too worried about it um so it wouldn't it wouldn't tarnish this film if they later quote unquote reverse that mm-hmm. um, but at least at the moment when it was happening, I was not very happy because i didn't see how that added to this story
1: mm-hmm. yeah so i i didn't want him to be Uh, a sibling i didn't want him to be a wayne kid but i did like the idea of his origin story somehow being wrapped up in the wayne family and in particular of his mom idolizing thomas wayne in the way that he is idolizing robert de niro right and the idea that like this obsession is hereditary and thomas wayne still probably didn't treat her well you know like he doesn't have to be the 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 father of her child to be an asshole yeah And and i think the idea of making the joker represent the making it more like iron man right where iron man does have to confront very frequently the realities of like what his father did what his family stands for the horror that they've inflicted in the world and batman maybe does that but i don't remember that being as big a thing but like really tying that together where like the Wayne family created the Joker in some sense. I, I thought that was really interesting.
0: So my only problem with it is that it puts a direct target on Thomas Wayne's back via the Joker, and it doesn't feel like a um, his death is now a byproduct of this um, the society rising up it kind of gives a direct line between the Joker wanting him dead. Yeah. If, if the Joker who is dealing with the horrors of his life and the hardship of like trying to keep steady work and like living in the shitty apartment and like needing to take care of his mom. Cause nobody else will. If, if it's not just, he is stuck in this life, but this man put him there specifically. And it's a man who could, fix everything with just a wave of his hand Mm -hmm. that i feel like gives him more of a reason to want to kill him um not once again not a justification in reality yeah but for the character now it's not just a per it, it it puts that target on his back and i think that there's more complexity of a character who wants to kill the man because he thinks he has a reason to and then finds out that he doesn't have reason to. Yeah. And like I, I think I think that just adds something that, that I think that's part of why I, I've ac- accepted that misdirect a little bit too is because it felt kind of tedious at first. And then it would became a thing that heightened the reality and made me go like, oh, shit, now what is he going to do? Because, like, he thought he had a reason to mess with this person. And now maybe he doesn't because maybe there's not actually a relation and that person is justified in not being a part of his life. I, I don't know. It, it, it To me, it made everything more muddy in a way that I think added to the story yeah. as opposed to, um, like, that's his dad. He's fighting his dad. Everyone <laughs> wants to fight their dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> Your father's name, Thomas? Come at me, bruh. <laughs> Why are you saying
1: that name? <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so the other sequence that is uh, extremely Scorsese is he does get his wish at the end. He does get to be on the talk show with Robert De Niro. And it's a pretty extended sequence, basically, of him getting prepared to go on stage, going on stage... Riffing with Robert De Niro, people slowly realizing that things are not as they should be, and this person that they thought well, would just
0: be—you're skipping another violent scene that happens when he's getting ready to go there. Right, the stuff in his apartment happens basically when he's about. Oh, to oh ha- sure, yeah, yeah. sure.
1: If we're talking about him murdering his friend and then letting letting his little person friend struggle with the door, in it that was like the most Todd Phillips moment in the movie, <laughs> where I was like, you had to. You had to get that. (laughs) That
0: character only exists for this one joke. Right. That he thought would be funny having a dead body and somebody who can't reach a latch.
1: Yep. Yeah. But anyway, ignoring that part for a second, I mean, like the the sequence where he is in the studio or on stage, um, how did you feel about that when it becomes an actual public confrontation and it's a dialogue and there's multiple people who are like sitting there?
0: You, you what? I'll rephrase your question <laughs> I don't, i'm not sure i know what you're asking
1: I'll, I, I guess i'll ask two questions one did you find it believable the way people behaved on that talk show and two whether or not you found it believable did you like what the movie did with it
0: so so what we see in him prepping for this is that his goal is to Uh, Paula Christine right like to get on front of the camera and then commit suicide yeah and through the course of that interact I mean obviously we know the film's called Joker it's not gonna like there's a baby Bruce Wayne I mean not baby he's a little child Bruce Wayne this is not a film where the Joker is going to commit suicide on TV right Um, maybe there's a reality in which I could believe that like he does shoot himself but it's non-lethal and some somehow right Um. But, uh, you know, there's other films about society rising up and causing a bunch of mass destruction in which people do shoot themselves and live through it. Right. (laughs) So it's not like there isn't a precedent. Um, But uh, we know that the end result is that he is going to kill Robert De Niro. Mm. Um, So it's not that that tension exists. I do think that there is a – it is interesting that his goal as a character is to do a thing we know he can't and we're watching him – decide to make that transition. Like he knows that he's going like on some level he knows that he is going to a place where they made fun of him and that he is going to continue to be made fun of. Mm -hmm. But because he is in these states where he has these moments of time where he sort of is in his own world and doesn't quite see reality correctly, Mm -hmm. there's still something he wants to believe in that he is going to be the showman and people are going to love him. Yeah. And it's really when he starts to try to tell his jokes and they don't go well that it turns from a thing where it's his best moment of his life to the worst moment of his life. Mm-hmm. And I I really think that I like maybe I wouldn't have made the same choices as how he's acting because he is very different than he is for the rest of the film. He the character is playing a character and I don't like every all the choices that are made. Yeah. But the situation I'm 100% on board with and how the tension is building. I'm really on board with, yeah. um, the fact that the the old woman and the man just sit on the couch after the ex- the, the gun goes off and don't yeah. dive over the back. I know they're old, but like they sit there like, there. You there's no reason you wouldn't expect him to then shoot other people in the audience. Right. So there's no reason like, and and they're not paralyzed. They're they're like hugging and like, oh my god, did you see what just happened? Yeah, and I I, I thought that was a little unbelievable, but, but I think the the slow boiling and the tension as it ramps up, and, like, just the cameras pulling in, and just everybody sitting and watching, it does... I I, I was there for it.
1: Yeah, L- like, if the nitpicky part of my brain that would care about plot mechanics, if, if that is working, I feel like the moment he is admitted to being the one who murdered the people on the train, people would not just keep sitting there and confronting him louder and louder. Well, I, they would do something about it.
0: So I, I actually... I... Robert De Niro is really great in this scene. Sure. Because you see a man who is a persona on stage be the first to realize this is not a joke and go into interview mode yeah. where he wants to, like, he is trying to bring the situation down to now talk about a dialogue. And, and he, he, like, he even almost tries to, like, uh, what's the kind version of patronizing? Like, he sort of tries to, like, no, 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 like, who here wouldn't want to shoot rich guys in a train? Like, he tries to do a thing where he's like, I'm not justifying your actions, but I can see why you felt the need to do what you did. Let's talk through this. Mm -hmm. And he's probably, he's used to having, like, somebody talking in his ear, probably, over a little radio and security. And he's probably trying to just, like, buy time. And he probably doesn't think, I mean... Obviously, if he's confessing to killing three people, he knows he could kill another people a person. Yeah. But he he's so on as a persona and as a news person that he it doesn't even occur to him that he could be in danger in that moment. Right? He's just trying to make sure shit doesn't go off the rails. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I I I liked seeing that happen. Um, I thought that was just done expertly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I. I think if it were, let's say, a phone interview or something, I would 100% believe that. That That's the kind of conversation yeah. where you're keeping him on the line, you're trying to stall for time, you're hoping to turn it into a a meaningful conversation while you rally and figure out what to do. I think sitting next to a guy who has admitted to murdering people, I feel like it would play different. But all that said, I love the scene anyway, so I don't really care that I yeah, don't yeah. believe it. Um, I, I just... That was one of those moments where like, my brain split into two parts where one of me was like, this is kind of on the nose, but also I really like the nose that it's on.
0: Yeah. But no, I mean, I, I think that... I, I still think that he did the... He he did the correct thing. He bared the brunt of this... Like, People came to his studio to see him perform, and he made the ill-fated decision to bring this lunatic, on right. his show and endangered the lives of all these people for a joke. And he, it's not that he's like, I'll dive on this grenade, but he is taking control of the situation and mm. making sure that he is... um Like, he, it's no longer a joke. And he, while everybody else is laughing, he tries to bring them into reality. So I, I feel like there's something interesting that he's doing there that is not just, I'm doing something stupid right now. It's, I'm doing the best I can right. to make sure that everyone's okay
1: yeah, it's his money monster moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> cool that that's all the questions I
0: have <laughs> all right <laughs> um was there any other part of this film that we, we still needed to talk about
1: I don't know I mean there are revelations that I think add like add character but they're not that important like there there's the revelation that he was abused heavily as a kid right that he revealed he learns that in the mental institution when brian tyree henry shows him his file which for sure you would not be allowed to just like oh what's that name y'all dig up the file and talk to you about it yeah Uh, yeah but but anyway that scene i think it, it should be major but i think in the scope of this movie that's kind of like window dressing right like okay yeah you had a troubled childhood and now we know exactly how troubled it was
0: but but i think also he is he is going to the hospital to prove to himself a point and he proves himself theoretically the opposite of that. Right. So I think it is it is a good character moment just like yeah. we are seeing him that's another time where it's like another nail in the unraveling coffin.
1: Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Other than that, I I don't know. I feel like that's most of the plot of the movie. Though I do think a lot of what I loved about the movie is just the way it looked and felt. Like some of it is in the trailer. Like I think the the look of this clown in Gotham's Times Square or whatever spinning a sign and he has this like kind of bright red and yellow look and then it's like grimy gotham behind him and him getting beaten up i I feel like there there's a look and feel to this movie that i've not seen in a very long time and i feel like it it is just an interesting world to live in like i feel like todd phillips does a good job of turning the world into the 70s like it looks grimy and like downtrodden and splashes of color feel Menacing in an interesting way. Like I, I really dug the vibe of this movie, and I would have not expected it from him because I haven't seen him do a serious movie ever, as far as I know. <laughs> Unless War Dogs counts as being serious.
0: <laughs> cool. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for this review. This is like the first like full length review that we've yep. done of our Tribeca stuff. There will more than likely be a few more of these coming mm-hmm. um, down the road, but. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's listening right now because nobody can see this film yet. Um, Somebody
1: is listening to spoilers anyway. bet oh, yeah, yeah. They're just itching. They want to know it. And shame on you. Shame yeah. on you for doing that.
0: For shame. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, if you are. And we will see you next time. Bye.